Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson a warmer brother low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, we've got Steve Gardner. He does great work over at USA Today. We're going to be taking a look at some of the moves of impact that we have seen at the trade deadline thus far. What could we see over the next 24 to 48 hours? Where are a few teams that might be standing pat at the deadline as well. And we are talking about trade deadline moves right now, but I'm also going to ask Steve, who are some of the guys that could make an impact that are currently on the injured list that maybe we're not thinking about? And he provides a very interesting answer. So we are going to be having that chat with Steve in segment number two in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MOB Monday. As we touch them all, if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to go for those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore 81. That was very weird to say X timeline, by the way, but at GNN underscore 81 on that platform. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send those into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but Boy, did we have a fun day of baseball on Sunday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Cincinnati Reds pound the tar out of the L.A. Dodgers. 9-0 the final. Michael Grove, he was not in the groove. He gave up eight runs. He did get 10 strikeouts, so a little bit of credit there, but also gave up three home runs. Going deep, Joey Votto. Home run number nine of the season. Matt McClain is 11th and Ellie De La Cruz. He goes deep for number seven. And by the way, Joey Votto, he has not been back very long at all to be able to get those nine home runs. He's done it on, I believe now, 108 at-bats. Meanwhile, for the Reds, Graham Ashcraft, he was tremendous. Only two strikeouts, but six scoreless innings. Derek Law, two scoreless innings. Dan Duarte from there is able to supply a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, Ryan Brazier, Alex Vesia both provide a scoreless inning. And Miguel Rojas, position player, comes in in the ninth inning for the LA Dodgers. He gives up a run in his inning of work. The Giants, they whittle away that NL West lead by a game as they get it done in 11 innings by a count of 4-3 against the Boston Red Sox. 
For the Giants, by the way, they are tied for the fewest amount of runs per game at home among National League teams, but they did just enough to be able to get it done in this one as for the Boston Red Sox, you did have Justin Turner be able to get his 17th home run season. That comes off of Tyler Rogers and Ross Stripling gave one up to Mr. Adam Duvall. His ninth home run season, Scott Alexander served as the opener for Stripling. One and two-thirds innings scoreless. Stripling gives up that home run over the course of four and a third innings. And then Tyler Rogers gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of his innings. His brother Taylor, though, a scoreless inning. And then Camilio Duvall, scoreless inning. Tristan Beck, scoreless 10th and 11th innings. For the Giants, they go just 4 of 18 with men in scoring position, but do just enough to be able to get this one in as it was sort of the piecemeal game for the Boston Red Sox. Sean Schreiber, he goes two scoreless settings. Brendan Bernardino, the opener, he gives up a run in an inning before you have Chris Murphy come in. Gives up an under run in three and a third innings. Josh Winkowski, one and two thirds innings. Allows a run. Richard Blyer, Chris Martin, both lend a scoreless setting before Mauricio Lovero, the former San Francisco Giant. He ends up giving up the game-winning run in the 11th inning. The Oakland A's get shut out at Coors Field, 2-0. The Colorado Rockies able to avoid what would have been an absolutely horrible sweep at the hands of the Oakland A's. Luis Medina didn't pitch too bad either. Two runs surrendered in five and a third innings at Coors Field. Not bad. Sam Ball, he gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Austin Pruitt, along with Anel Felipe, both lend a scoreless inning, but absolutely nothing doing for the Colorado Rockies. Tie block. Just block them off. Five scoreless innings. Matt Cook, Brent Suter, Daniel Bard, Justin Lawrence from there. All supply a scoreless inning. Another team that got shut out, that would be the Chicago Cubs. As the Cardinals have played right around 59% of their home games to the over. This was not one of them. 3-0 to zero the final. For the Cubs, pitching wasn't too bad. The professor Kyle Hendricks allows three runs over the course of seven innings. Michael Fulmer, a scoreless inning of his own. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, they got a tremendous start out of Steven Matsu. All of a sudden, since the beginning of the month of May, has a sub-3 ERA. Six scoreless innings. Giovanni Gallegos, two scoreless innings. And Jojo Romero gets his first save of the season. He turns a scoreless ninth inning. The Arizona Diamondbacks got shot out as well. 4-0. to The Seattle Mariners are able to get the job done in this one. Luis Castillo, six scoreless innings. From there, Justin Topa, Matt Brash, Taylor Saccato were all able to line a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly gives up a home run to J.P. Crawford, his ninth home run season. For Kelly, gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Cole Sulzer comes into the game. He allows a run in an inning, but he did have two scoreless from Tyler Gilbert. Austin Adams, he comes in. He's able to supply a scoreless inning as well. So that was one that gets to the window for the Seattle Mariners. If you're looking at best teams to the under at home this year, that'd be the New York Mets. 68.1% of their home games have gone under. This was another one of them. And perhaps the last start for Justin Verlander as a Met. 5-2. The Mets are able to get the W as Francisco Lindor provided a little bit of support. 21st home run season. That comes off of Trevor Williams, who gave up all five runs over the course of four innings, including that home run. Bullpen from there did their part. Amos Willingham, Corey Abbott, both provided scoreless settings. Joe LaSorsa, two scoreless settings, but for the Nationals, not a lot doing in this one. Just Verlander lost one run in five and a third innings. David Peterson, no relation, gives up an unearned run in two innings before Adam Bonavino gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Brooks Rayleigh is able to provide a scoreless setting as well. Rough loss for the Philadelphia Phillies. They fall to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 6-4. A Pirates team that has been dead last in the big leagues in terms of runs per game since the All-Star break and dead last in the National League in runs per game since the beginning of the month of May as Christopher Sanchez 
He continues to do his part. Five scoreless innings. Sorry, Theo Dominguez just has not looked right all season long, and he gave up a home run. Two runs in total over the course of his third of an inning as Brian Reynolds, he took him deep. Home run number 12 of the season, and then the walk-off comes from Josh Palacios. He is able to get home run number two of the season. That comes off of Andrew Vasquez, who's been relatively trustworthy for the Phillies, but gives up that walk-off home run in the 10th inning. Jeff Hoffman got a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Squirrels Gregory Soto gives up an unearned run in an inning. Craig Kimbrell, squirrels setting. Junior Marte, though, gave up a run in an inning himself. And for the Phillies, they did get Alec Bohm to go deep. 10th home run season off of Rich Hill. Rich Hill, he had given up three-plus runs in seven out of his last eight starts. Gives up just two in five innings, including that home run. Jose Hernandez could give up two runs in a third of an inning. But Dory Moretta, David Benar, Anel Perdomo, they all lend a scoreless inning. And then you get one and two-thirds inning scoreless out of Carmen Maldozinski. For the Miami Marlins, it has been an almighty struggle for them since the all-star break in terms of being able to supply power, but they get an 8-4 win over the Detroit Tigers. For the Tigers, Tariq Skubal, he gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings, and bullpen couldn't do their part. Brendan White gives up an earned run in one and a third innings. Jose Cicerno, he allows a home run, a solo home run in his inning. And Tyler Holton gives up two runs in an inning, including a home run going deep. Gene Segura off of Cicerno for a third home run season, then only gives up his home run to Garrett Cooper, 13th home run of the campaign. Was well, that a great start for Asus Lizardo? He gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings at A.J. Puck. Two runs surrendered in a third of an inning. It seems as though he is not going to be the closer moving forward. But Ore Lopez, George Soriano combined for two scoreless innings. And then Taylor Scott, David Robertson. They both turn a scoreless inning apiece. No shortage of offense in this one. The Atlanta Braves take it to the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 8-6. to six. Colin Ray said hip hip boo to a bad start. Five runs surrendered over the course of five innings, including a pair of home runs going deep for the Atlanta Braves. Matt Olson for his 34th home run season, and Austin Riley is 24th. And then Joel Piamps would allow Olson to go deep as well. 35th home run in the campaign. Hobie Milner gives one up to Marcel Zuna, his 22nd home run of the season. Milner gives up his home run in his inning of work. Piamps gives up two runs in his inning, including the other home run. And Elvis Piguero, he was in the building for a scoreless inning. And the Brewers, they got a pair of home runs of their own. Christian Yelich, 16th home run season off of A.J. Smith-Schwaver. And Smith-Schwaver gives one up to new acquisition Carlos Santana. His 13th home run of the season for Schwaver. Three runs allowed over the course of five innings, including those two home runs. Colin McHugh made a mess of things. From there, giving up three runs over the course of an inning, but Kirby Yates, Joe Menez, Rossi Iglesias, all able to turn a scoreless inning. So, the Atlanta Braves back on track. They've got the best record in the National League. The AL Central is a big, giant mess. You saw the Guardians be able to get a 5-0 win over the Chicago White Sox to be able to get back to 500. Guardians, by the way, have been a very nice team to the under all season long as this one, Aaron Savali, six scoreless settings. He has now allowed two runs or fewer, and I believe now nine out of his last ten starts. Daniel De Los Santos, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe, they're all able to turn a scoreless setting as well. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, Michael Kopech, it was not his day. He gave up three runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of home runs going deep for the Cleveland Guardians. Jose Ramirez, 17th home run season, and Stephen Kwan is fifth. And then you would have home run number 18 of the campaign for Jose Ramirez a little bit later on in the game as that came off of young DeClain Cronin, who made his MLB debut, giving up two runs over the course of two innings, including that home run. And then a pair of relatively unknown guys, Sammy Peralta, 
He comes in for a scoreless inning, and then Ed Gardner-Varro, his MLB debut, scoreless inning as well. And then for the Cleveland Guardians, they just were able to hold that White Sox offense down. And for the Minnesota Twins, they were held down as well. The Kansas City Royals, they get a 2-1 to win for the Royals. They had just enough offense to be able to get by as that was provided by Freddie Fermin, who was able to get a sixth home run season off of Kent Tomato. Didn't pitch bad. He gave up two runs over the course of five innings. Since coming off the injured list, a sub-three ERA out of him. Emilio Pagan, Griffin Jackson, Floral, they all lined a scoreless inning. But for the Twins, not a lot doing in this one. Ryan Yarbrough gives up seven hits, but just one run over the course of seven innings. That one run, a solo home run. Matt Wallner, his fifth home run season, and Third in his last seven games, Zone Coleman, Carlos Hernandez from there. They are both able to supply a scoreless inning. For the Tampa Bay Rays, Zach Little got the start, and he came up big. 8-2, to two. the Rays are able to get it done. Little from the bullpen becomes the starter, and this is just what the Rays do. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Wasn't necessarily a work of art as he gave up eight hits along the way, but he was much better than Brandon Belock, who gave up six runs over the course of five innings, three of which earned as he was hurt by Jose Abreu fielding air. From there, Phil Maton gives up two runs over the course of his two innings, including a home run to Brandon Lau. He got allowed for his 13th home run season. Kendall Graveman, along with Rafael Montero, they're both able to lend a scroll setting. Meanwhile, for the Rays, you had Jason Adam be able to supply a scroll setting and three scoreless out of Arasimo Ramirez. The cast-off of the Washington Nationals comes in for three scoreless settings. Once again, that's just what the Rays are able to do. The LA Angels, they just found a way to win this one. 3-2 in 10 innings over the Toronto Blue Jays for Tyler Anderson. Very good start. Just two strikeouts, but gives up one run over the course of six and a third innings. Matt Moore, five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And then Carlos DeSavis, he pitches the ninth and tenth inning. Gives up an unearned run in the tenth inning, but kept it very clean as this was a game that was one-to-one going into the tenth inning. And then the LA Angels, they were able to have Hunter Renfro go deep in the tenth to be the difference maker. His 17th home run season. That comes off of Yimmy Garcia. Loved that home run, two runs, one of which was earned in his inning of work. Jose Barrios, very good start. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. From there, Genesis Cabrera, Jay Jackson, they piecemealed together two scoreless settings. And Tim Meza was also able to end a scoreless setting. The run for Blake Snell continues. He has now allowed six runs, five of which earned in his last 13 starts. 5-3, to three, the Padres get the job done. This is a game that stays under the total, despite there being 21 hits, by the way, as the Rangers stranded 11 men on base. Cody Bradford got the open, essentially. He gave up one run over the course of three innings. Jose LeClerc, he gave up two runs in his two-thirds of an inning, including home run going deep for the Padres. Gary Sanchez off of him for his 11th home run season, then off of Brock Burke for home run number 12. Burke gives up that home run in his two innings of work. You did have Will Smith get jiggy with it. He gave up a run in his inning of work, and Grant Anderson, he got one in the third innings, did not give up anything along the way, and for the Padres, things got very hairy with Josh Hader in the ninth inning. Loaded up the bases, but got out of it. Scoreless innings from he, Robert Suarez, along with Stephen Wilson. As for Blake Snell, one hundred runs, surrendered in five innings. Gave up four walks. It was not a work of art by any stretch of the imagination, but kept it clean. Nick Martinez, he provides an inning. He gives up two runs himself. And then on Sunday Night Baseball, the DK Network write a pick. About as easy as it gets. The Baltimore Orioles put up six runs before they record their first out against the New York Yankees. 9-3, they're able to get the job done. For Luis Severino, his name should have been Luis Hickory in this game as he got smoked. Three and a third innings, gave up all nine runs at the Baltimore Orioles. 
would account for for Baltimore. You had Adam Frazier go deep off of him. 13th home run of the season. On the flip side, Dean Kramer, not like he was great. He gave up three runs over the course of four innings, including home run to Jake Bowers. Eighth home run of the season. And the Yankees bullpen did their part. Ron Marinaccio, two and two-thirds innings. Squirrelis, Albert Abreu, two squirrels, But Severino, not terrific. Our play on the Orioles money line since right up picks to six and one in my last seven as Mike Bauman, Danny Colombe, Yanir Cano, they're all able to end a scoreless inning. And for Shintero Fujinami, two scoreless innings as the Yankees at the plate. They struck out 18 times in this game as well as Aaron Judge did not play in this one. And if you're looking at the MLB season this season, we've seen favorites sitting at a clip of about 58%. They are 912 and 659 on the money line among these favorites. We have now seen a grand total of 233 Fail to cover the run line. If you're looking at totals, unders have a little bit of a lead on over 767 unders to 749 overs. So that's about a 50.5% hit rate to the under thus far this season over the last 30 days. Overs, they're starting to dry up a little bit more. The under has a rate of 51% over the last 30 days. 174 unders to 167 overs. Meanwhile, favorites in this time span hitting at about 57.6%. But we have seen these favorites have a tough time on the run line as well. 204 and 150 are favorites over the last three days, but 58 of those favorites have failed to cover the run line. So that's what we all got in Major League Baseball on Sunday, and that's what we're seeing trend-wise. We did see a few trades, including Jordan Montgomery going to the Texas Rangers. So we're going to round those up. We're going to be taking a look at the trade deadline. Guys that might be on the move, teams that have certainly improved, and teams that have been a little bit silent, and we're going to be chatting about it all with Steve Gardner of USA Today next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, Steve Gardner. He does absolutely tremendous work over at USA Today, taking a look at the game of baseball. Does a great job just taking a look at the game that we know and love with regards to so many different fronts, including on the fantasy level as well. If you ever get the print version of USA Today, you're able to find a lot of his articles over there. As to be able to follow Steve Gardner on Twitter, or as they're now calling it X, I guess. Steve A. Gardner all together. And Steve, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate the invite. And you're right, it's a great time of year for a baseball fan. Oh, it certainly is. We've been seeing a lot of moves. Like just before I came on this podcast, we saw that Jordan Hicks was going to be going to the Toronto Blue Jays. As we know, late Saturday is really the biggest move to this point with Max Scherzer heading on over to the Texas Rangers. And out of all the moves that we've seen made right now, I think that's very fair to say that the Max Scherzer move is the biggest one. If you've got a different one, you let me know. But I think that that is certainly the leader in the clubhouse right now. But out of all the teams that have made moves, which one do you think have upgraded the most? Because I do take a look at what the Brewers did as well, adding Carlos Santana. And that feels like a really good fit for a team that direly needed a bat here at the deadline. It does. And certainly the Rangers have the top billing in getting Max Scherzer and also Jordan Montgomery, too, to boost that starting rotation. So you add those two guys to the best offense in baseball so far this season. The Rangers certainly are serious about ending the playoff drought and kind of dethroning the Houston Astros there in the AL West. Speaking of the AL West, in fact, the Los Angeles Angels, not only do they not trade Shohei Otani, but they add with, with Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez 
from the Chicago White Sox. I think this makes them a definite contender as well for a playoff spot. Otani was really the biggest name who could possibly have been traded. Once they made that deal for Giolito, they said a firm no. He is not going to be traded. He will be with the team the rest of the season. And we can look forward to the Angels possibly trying to break there long playoff drought. A lot of action there in the American League, certainly. And how do you view the LA Angels right now? Because with Shoei Otani, and personally, I think that it's a correct move. Certainly the Angels, had they wanted to rebuild the farm system, they could have done that by trading away Shoei Otani. But I would hate to forever be known as the organization that traded away Shoei Otani. The last time we saw a two-way player quite like this was Babe Ruth. And we all remember how the Boston Red Sox are looked at in history for trading away Babe Ruth. So there's that. But how do you view this Angels team right now? Because they've been able to pick up a little bit of steam on that Peacock game on Sunday. They got the job done, but they do seem to be a little bit banged up right now as well. That's true. And one of the things, if the Angels are going to make that playoff push, they're going to need Mike Trout to come back and come back fairly soon and be the Mike Trout, or at least close to the Mike Trout that we all know and love. And I think if you do get him back, then now the pitching staff is bolstered, the offense is bolstered, and you've got a team that, should they make the playoffs? I mean, could be a serious threat to do some damage in October because of all the talent that they have on the roster. I don't think that Anthony Rendon, you know, the other guy that they paid a whole lot of money to in free agency is going to be a factor again this season, maybe not again in his career, but they still have some decent players losing Taylor Ward. It suffered some injury, went on the injured list. Help me out on the details. Yeah, he got a little bit of a facial fracture, it sounds like. I thought that he got hit by a baseball in the face. Yeah, and so, you know, that's that's a blow for them. But then again, Mickey Moniak has been outstanding for them. has been a real find. So they're able to kind of replace him a little bit in the order. I think this is a certainly a fun Angels team, even if it's not a great Angels team. But I think between the two of us and probably a lot of baseball fans out there, to be able to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the postseason would be a wonderful thing. And I'm right there with you with Anthony Rendon. For the Angels, that's nothing new for them being without Anthony Rendon, but they absolutely do need Mike Trout to be able to get back in the fold. And Brandon Drury as well. I feel like he's a little bit of an under-the-radar guy. If they can get him back at some point, that'd be big as well. Steve Gardner, he does tremendous work over at USA Today Sports. He is joining me right here on the Baseball Bank Show. And that entire AL West to me is very interesting because – We really haven't seen a lot of moves from the Seattle Mariners as of right now. The Seattle Mariners have had a little bit of an up and down last few series. They were able to get the job done on Sunday against the Arizona Diamondbacks to be able to build a little bit of momentum. And I still remember last year they entered into July sub-500, made that big move for Luis Castillo, and that propelled them to being able to make that playoff push. The Houston Astros, they lose on Sunday, but all in all, they've been able to look very solid with getting their guys back in the fold end. I'm very curious to see if those two teams in the Astros and the Mariners make moves because this is an AL West that once again is very stagnant. I think we're in for a very good last two months out of all four of those teams not named the Oakland A's. That's correct. Seattle has general manager Jerry Depoto, who is no stranger to making trades at any time during the season, not just at the trade deadline. They could have some some interesting things to do before the deadline hits. And you're right. Houston has been a disappointment of sorts. They're still right there with Texas uh, for the division division lead. But you wonder if first year GM Dana Brown 
will make his move. You know, he came to Houston from Atlanta. His forte was scouting. So we don't know what kind of a, of a dealer he might turn out to be. That's another intriguing thing going into this trade deadline. And you're right, you know, the AL West, we talk so much about the AL East and all of those really, really good teams in that division. The AL West is pretty solid in its own right. Oh, no doubt about it. And I do think that there is a little bit of a divide between the American League and the National League right now. Since the AL Central, and that's just a big, giant mess. Whoever wants a division, I guess you could take it at this point with the way that that is going. And I do think that another team in a Central division is intriguing as well because we were thinking about seven or so days ago that Cody Ballinger might be that prize out there at the trade deadline. The Cubs have come out and said they are not going to be trading Cody Bellinger. They entered into Sunday on that nice eight-game win streak as one that did get snapped. But for the Cubs, they've been able to get white hot. And I think that they're one of the most intriguing teams at the deadline because with the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds, they've sort of been jockeying back and forth with regards to that division. But all of a sudden, the Cubs find themselves four games out of the division and right around that many games out in the wild card as well. And they're right there at 53 and 52 as we do this podcast as a team that they could buy or they could really stamp at as well. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. I mean, we're, we talked about, or at least going into trade deadline season, if you can call it that, in the last couple of weeks or so. One of the things that came up was, look how many players the Cubs have that they could trade potentially to get a decent return. I mean, Marcus Stroman was possibly the top pitchers available. Cody Bellinger, certainly on a one-year deal, would be a very nice addition to any number of teams. But yet the Cubs, because they go on the little winning streak, kind of like the Angels did, you know, started playing better just toward the end of the month of July and going into the trade deadline give themselves a little confidence that, hey, you know, we don't have to tear this team down to any degree. We're playing awfully well. You look at it, Greg, you've still got the month of August and the month of September. That's a third of the season. So many things can happen. This Cubs team is not out of it. Kyle Hendricks has pitched fairly well since coming back. Justin Steele has been one of the best players over the course of the last, you know, one of the best pitchers, at least, over the last 12 months. Fantastic ERA. So, yeah, this is a team that could make some noise and certainly could get into the playoffs if they continue to stay hot. Oh, it is going to be so much fun to take a look at them as Steve Gardner does great work over at USA Today Sports. He is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And then there's another team of intrigue that I think they're going to be buyers. I'm thinking that they're probably waiting until after the Sunday Night Baseball game to be able to make those moves, and we're currently doing this as Sunday Night Baseball is going along, and that's the Baltimore Orioles, because for the Orioles, this has been a team that they have been rebuilding very, very slowly, and I'm not going to call trading for Shintaro Fujinami being buyers. I am sorry, but (laughs) I don't think that that is the move that is going to be pushing the Baltimore Orioles to the promised land by any stretch of the imagination, but I take a look at the Orioles, and I think that they're just in such an interesting circumstance right now because they sort of been platooning guys the last few weeks because they just have so many young guys. And for the Baltimore Orioles, I'm just curious to see if they do make one of those moves because it feels like they've got so many quarters in their pocket right now with having so many solid players, but not necessarily that one-star guy. And if they try to trade some of those quarters in for a dollar, because I feel like that is the one thing that the Orioles are missing because 
They've got so much depth, but not necessarily that one guy with regards to pitching rotation or with regards to that lineup that really strikes fear into teams. As a longtime Orioles fan, uh, I would love to see them take those quarters and go for the big stuffed animal, you know, the big prize. But I don't know who that would be. Certainly the Orioles would love to have an ace starting pitcher. And as we saw, you know, Max Scherzer is off the market. Jordan Montgomery, who a lot of people thought might be a really good fit for Camden Yards, off the market. Lucas Giolito, another guy that I had kind of hoped that they might get and bolster that rotation, be kind of like that number one guy going into a playoff series. He's elsewhere as well. So where's the prize? It looks like there aren't any big prizes left out there after those guys are off the shelf. So yeah, what are the Orioles going to do? General Manager Mike Elias said he was not going to tear down all the things that this franchise has waited and patiently built for so long, but you look at the roster and so many good young players, they can't fit all of them in the infield. I mean, they have to rotate those young guys, Jordan Westbergs and, and Gunnar Henderson, Adam Frazier, the veteran that they signed in the offseason, didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense going into the season, but has played exceptionally well for them, gotten a lot of key hits. He's been good. It seems like this would be a great time to say, hey, We have the best record in the American League. Let's go out and get a piece that can take us deep into the playoffs. If Michael Elias doesn't see that piece out there, then he may just continue to add to the bullpen with smaller pieces like Fujinami, maybe a couple other relievers, and kind of go with the guys who brought him there. It's a very bold strategy, and one, you know, when you're playing against and fighting against teams like the Rays, teams like the Rangers who have added, teams like the Astros who have been there before, you've got to have an awful lot of confidence in yourself, and certainly what the Orioles have done so far this season should give them confidence. But the one thing I look at, Greg, is their run difference right now as we talk is plus 42 the other teams that uh, you know may be bigger contenders tampa bay has almost scored 100 more runs you know to the positive they're plus 135 and the rangers are over 100 more in run differential at plus 147 than the orioles so you think about if those teams match up against the Orioles in the playoffs, I think even if they had the better record, the Orioles would probably be underdogs. Yep, with the Orioles, it has been a case where they've done a great job with regards to their clutch inning, but they are about a league average team with regards to batting average. They're not a bad team with regards to home run power, but it's not like they're an elite team as well. They've just been able to find ways to be able to get wins. Obviously, that duo of Yernir Cano and Felix Batista, I think that is a big reason why. And that's a nice one-two punch half in the back half of that bullpen. But we shall see moving forward what the Orioles do as Steve Gardner of USA Today Sports is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And you did mention it a little bit before, the fact that Jordan Montgomery was traded on Sunday. Do you think the Cardinals are done selling? Because I was talking about perhaps there might be some big pieces out there. And if there is going to be a big piece, in my opinion... I think at this point it might need to come from the Cardinals because Justin Verlander may or may not be on the move for the Mets. Tommy Pham will be one of those guys as well. We know that the Mets are going to be sellers, but if the Cardinals continue to sell, I think that they could perhaps provide that big piece for a team, whether that be the Baltimore Orioles or someone else, to be able to acquire. Certainly the momentum has steamrolled for Cardinals in terms of, of trading players, but who do they have left to deal? Jack Flaherty? possibly could be the next guy, could be gone by the time people are listening to this. But the one thing that, that GM John Moselag did say is, is Nolan Arenado, who we talked to the Dodgers a little bit about, 
is going to be staying put. Paul Goldschmidt is going to be staying. So, I mean, those guys are their cornerstones. They're going to build with them. Whether Nolan Gorman or Dylan Carlson gets dealt, one of those guys that are not necessarily part of the 2024 and beyond St. Louis Cardinals, that's a possibility. But those cornerstone guys are going to stay. But certainly the Cardinals are looking at possibly dealing just about anyone else uh, if teams offer them the right package. And as we know, this is trade deadline season. Everyone's excited about these new acquisitions. But I always do think that it is always something to note as well. Some of these guys are on the injured list that they could be making a run towards the second half of the season. Like we haven't seen the Reds by a lot, but as we know, Hunter Green, he could be back sooner rather than later. Nick Lodolo is someone to take a look at as well. And I think that those could be two big acquisitions for lack of better term for the Reds that they aren't going to need to trade for. How many of these guys are you looking at? And are there any ones other side of those Cincinnati Red Stars I mentioned that are worth keeping an eye on that they could come back after being injured throughout much of the season and be able to have a big impact with regards to a playoff push? Well, I'll tell you what, the Boston Red Sox are are above 500 and kind of close to a playoff spot where Trevor Story could come back and possibly be a difference maker or at least give them a nice push. You know, he's been out the entire season, but has started his rehab assignment, is not very far from being activated. And the Red Sox, you know, already traded away Kike Hernandez to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who'd been playing some infield and some outfield for them. So if Trevor Story comes in there, could finally fill that hole at shortstop, perhaps, that the Red Sox have been trying to fill all season long in the wake of Xander Bogart's departure in free agency. He would be one of the guys that I would be very interested in to see if he can be that guy that we've seen provide power, provide speed, and give the Red Sox a boost as a possible dark horse wildcard team. That is a tremendous pull, and man, I forgot about Trevor's story myself. <laughs> full, full admission there. So I'm glad that you bring that up. And for the Red Sox, have been a very inconsistent offense in that they have been tremendous at being able to pound the ball at home, on the road, been a little bit of a different story. So I think that that is a great point that you bring up. And Steve, I know you're doing a tremendous job taking a look at this game that we all know and love of baseball. It's a very busy time of year, so I certainly do appreciate the time today. And let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Thanks so much, Greg. At usatoday.com, we're going to be doing a live blog leading up to the trade deadline, and I'm going to be helming that. I can't wait to see what deals we'll have, and we'll be, be happy to be on top of those and give you some instant analysis. So check that out at usatoday.com. And then I'll analyze everything once we're all done for USA Today Sports Weekly in print and also online and look at it from the regular baseball point of view and a fantasy baseball point of view. So lots of stuff. It's a great time to be writing about baseball. Absolutely. And for those of you guys that love player props, the fantasy side of things is a very good place to be able to find it at Jaron, vice versa. For those of you guys that love player props, being able to dive into fantasy baseball, that always helps as well. And Steve, he does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball. Every single time he joins this podcast, lends great insights on all these teams. And certainly it's a crazy trade deadline time period. And Steve, he's doing an amazing job of covering it all. So big thanks to Steve Gardner for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is The Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Steve Gardner. He does great work over at USA Today, taking a look at the game of baseball that we all know and love. I know that he is very locked in on what we're all going to be getting this trade deadline. Does an amazing job covering the sport from so many different angles, including for those of you guys that are fantasy baseball players. Does a great job. On that front, so big thanks to Steve for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National Games first, then the American League Games, any interleague games, Those are at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, clean, and easy. So, let's get started with our first game. This is 901-902 on the betting board. This is a game that is off the board. As the Philadelphia Phillies are on the road, they're facing off against the Miami Marlins. Edward Cabrera is on the bump for Miami, and it is to be determined who is going to be going for the Phillies. So, this is an off-the-board game. I am seeing on ESPN, Fangraphs is projecting this as well. Tywin Walker is a starter for the Phillies. And assuming we get Walker versus Cabrera... I made the Phillies the slightest of slight favorites at about a minus 103. So, essentially, whatever team would be getting plus money, that's where I would be looking on this game. But with regards to Miami Marlins, reason why they are a very slight underdog in this spot is because Edward Cabrera has the tendency to knock himself out of games very early in his last four starts. He has won five innings or fewer in every one of them because he has a walks issue. He is giving up north of five walks per nine innings. Does a great job getting swings and misses. Edward Cabrera, very nearly 11 strikeouts per nine innings, and has been significantly better at home than on the road. A 5-0 decision record in six starts at home with a 261 ERA. 0-6 in 10 starts on the road with a 628 ERA, so that's a very stark, but Cabrera also spent quite a bit of time on the injured list. Tom Walker, if he does go for the Phillies, he's got some home and road splits as well. 280 home ERA compared to a 525 ERA on the road, but Tom Walker has been able to come into his own. Take a look at what he's been able to do, and he has given up two runs or fewer in now five out of his last seven starts, so he's been able to do a nice job there. And with the Miami Marlins, the reason why they are a slight underdog as well is that the offense just has not gotten going since the uh, All-Star break. Going into the game on Sunday, they had had six home runs since the All-Star break. That is not necessarily too terrific. They were able to hit a pair yesterday, so I think they're up to eight since the All-Star break, but that's an issue. And I mean, for the Miami Marlins, this is a top-five team in terms of batting average. Luis Arias contains it above a 375. John Birdie, he gets into pickles and he gets guys to run into him, but he's been able to give you a 300. But I mean, outside of Jorge Soler, who's been able to give you 24 home runs, he's been able to give you an on-base percentage right around 340, and I believe he got a day off yesterday. You don't have anyone else to the 14 home runs. That'd be Brian De La Cruz as he, Oli Gurriel, Garrett Hampson, 
They're only between about a 275 to a 265. But when it comes to the flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got plenty of guys that move the line and a little bit more power. They sort of fall into that same vector as Miami in which they could use a little bit more balance with regards to their power because you've got Kyle Schwarber with 27 home runs. Needs to up that buck 83 batting average. But past that, you don't have anyone else with north of 14 home runs. Nick Cassianos is that guy with the 14 home runs. And he's had a little bit of a rough go of it since the All-Star break-in. Got plenty of guys being able to get on base. Brandon Marsh, Bryce Harper, Alec Bohm, all in between about a 280 to a 292. But Harper, it's down to just five home runs as far as the season. Trey Turner along with JT Rimoto. Both of these guys, 8242 combined 22 home runs. We're expecting a little bit more there. What sets me over the top with the Philadelphia Phillies, though, is that the bullpen has been much better this year. And you take a look at this bullpen recently, it has been one of the best in the big leagues. Miami has brought in some reinforcement. David Robertson, he comes in along with Ore Lopez for a bullpen that overall this year has been offering right around about 17th, 18th of the league in terms of ERA. That's where they've been the last 30 days as well. But for the Phillies, last 30 days, 249 bullpen ERA. That is number one in the big leagues. Craig Kimbrell has had a few hiccups recently, but all in all has been able to do a tremendous job this year. Andrew Vasquez has been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Jeff Hoffman has been able to give you some good innings as well. Matt Strom has become a nice little long guy for this guy for this team as well. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Phillies, assuming Tywin Walker goes, they should be a very slight favorite. One to lay up to a minus one or two with the Phillies, plus 104 or higher looking at the Marlins, and then me by Joel on an 8.3, eight or less looking at the over, and after higher to the under, 903-904 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They are on the road. They're facing off against the Washington Nationals. Jake Irvin goes for the dance, and Corbin Burns is on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers are between minus 185 and minus 195 favorites. They're between plus 165 and plus 172 is the number on Washington. Nine is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. The over is between minus 105 to minus 110. And if you are taking a look at the run line, which is what I'm looking at as I was going to lay up to a minus 140, with that Brewers run line, you're getting that more around a minus 115. And I am going to be diving in on that Brewers run line because Corbin Burns throughout his career has always been better on the road than he has been at home. Last three years, he's got a road ERA that's more than a half a point better than his home ERA, and this year it's a full point better. He's got right around a 401 home ERA on the road. This is dropping to right around about a three, and the big reason why he doesn't give up the deep balls much on the road. On the road, he's given up about 0.85 home runs per nine innings. This jumps to north of 1.2 home runs per nine innings when he is at home, so that's a big differential. And Goes up against someone in Jake Irvin that has honestly not been horrible recently for the Washington Nationals. But for one, he is backed up by a bullpen that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA over the last three days. And don't look now, but I mean, with one bad series, Washington Nationals might hold dead last in the big leagues in terms of overall bullpen ERA for the season, which is a mark that I didn't think anyone would be able to take away from the Oakland A's. But for Jake Irvin, he's out giving up four plus runs. In two out of his last three starts, three plus runs in every one of them as well. Not a guy that's necessarily giving you a whole lot of swing and miss stuff. And all in all, you just take a look at the starts. And he has given up three plus runs in nine out of his last 13 with a 565 ERA and a 472 fielding independent in this time span. Overall for the season, 7.3 strikeouts, the 3.9 walks per nine innings with that terrible bullpen. And for the Brewers, bullpen has been able to come alive for this team. Elvis Piguero, Joe Piams, these are a pair of guys giving you a sub-3-5 ERA. And then Hobie Milner has been very good as well. Brewers bullpen, 8th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. And then obviously you've got Devin Williams as well. 
for the Brewers. They currently are last in the National League in terms of batting average, but Carlos Santana, he was able to get a home run yesterday. He's a big acquisition for this team, especially with Owen Miller going down the toilet bowl. He was the leadoff hitter for the Brewers. He's been really slipping up for guys not named Carlos Santana. They, they've had on the roster. They've right now got five separate guys that have given in a Brewers uniform at least 11 home runs this far this season. William Thomas, the currently injured Rowdy Tellez, Joey Weimer, Christian Yelich, and William Contreras. Contreras is actually giving you a 350 on base, but of all the other guys, the only other guy that's hitting above a 215 is Christian Yelich, having himself a nice season, but it's clear that they needed someone else. Andrew Marisari is able to move line a little bit, but been a bit of a rough lineup. And for the Washington Nationals, they do a solid job of being able to move the line, but it doesn't result in a lot of runs. They're averaging 4.02 runs per contest at home. That is the dead last mark in the National League, so that's a big giant issue. And they are a team that ranks in the top 10 in terms of batting average. Lane Thomas has been able to give you 16 home runs. He's hitting darn near 300. Julian Manessis hitting about a 280. Had someone like a Luis Garcia hitting in that neighborhood about a 265, but when you just don't pound out the deep ball, that makes things very difficult for you. The Nationals, they're 28th in the big league so in terms of home runs. You've also got Jameer Candelario giving between 16 and 17 home runs as well. But past those two guys, you don't have anyone else that's really been able to give you north of 12 home runs. And it's been a big issue for the Washington Nationals. I think the Corbin Burns should be able to go out there, should be able to dominate, which is why I do look at the Brewers on the run line. I think that Carlos Santana coming into the lineup is big. And also going up against the worst bullpen in the National League, should be able to yield some runs in this spot as well. So I did set my tail at 9.2, looking at the over, and I am going to be taking a look at that Brewers run line. will lay up to a minus 140 there. 905-906 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in the Cincinnati, and they're onto the road. They're facing off against the Chicago Cubs. As you've got Marcus Stroman on the bump for the Cubs, and Andrew Rabbit goes for the Reds. No total up on this game. That's going to be based on the Wrigley Field wind. Meanwhile, with the Cubs on the money line, they are between minus 119 and minus 125. Between plus 105 and plus 110, your number on the Reds. And because there is no total up on this game, that also means that we do not have any run lines. So as of right now, with regards to the money line, it is going to be a little bit more of a wait and see for me. I did set the Cubs at a minus 117, so I would need this to drop by about three or so pennies for it to be a buy point on me. And if you're taking a look at the win that we are going to be getting on this Monday, it is going to be blowing sort of directionally about six to eight miles per hour. Should not have a profound impact on this game, but it is going to be right around about 78, 79 degrees, so a little bit of warmer temperature. So I did set my total to wear an 8.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, a 9 or higher to the under. We have seen Marcus Stroman really start to go down the toilet bowl quite a bit for the uh, Chicago Cubs as he had such a great start to the season and has given up three plus runs and now four out of his last five starts. It has been very much less than savory on that front. As a matter of fact, four plus runs in four out of his last five starts. But for Marcus Stroman, I do think that he's going to have some success against a bunch that they don't necessarily hit a bunch of home runs. And for Stroman, he has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up about 0.5 to 0.6 home runs per nine innings. Was getting lucky towards the beginning part of the season with regards to the balls in play. Now he's been getting very unlucky in this recent stretch, but Stroman has been able to do a pretty solid job at home this far this season. 307 home ERA compared to about a 401 road ERA. Meanwhile, for Andrew Abbott, I do think that regression is going to start to set in for him. He's got a 190 ERA, but a 376 fielding independent. His fielding independent is darn near double his ERA. He's getting about 9.5 strikeouts for 9 innings, which you like to see. 
a little bit over a home run per nine innings, but bonus earning just a 222 on balls in play. I do think that this is going to be going northward, especially against a Cubs team that they've been doing a very good job of just being able to move line. Both of these teams, they don't necessarily have tremendous something power. Both of these teams with the Reds are a little bit below average in terms of home runs on a per game basis compared to an average team for the Cubs. They're right around league average with the Cubs. You've got really a trio of guys, Cody Bellinger, Christopher Morrell, Patrick Wisdom, between 15 and 18 home runs. Wisdom, not inning for every, any average whatsoever. Everyone else on the Cubs has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line as Morrell, Nick Madrigal, Jan Gomes, Nico Horner, all in that neighborhood about a 273 to 282. Their on base is not tremendous, but Mike Talkman, Miguel Amaya, Ian App, all at least a 364 on base, and Cody Bellinger hitting north of a 300. His 15 home runs have been massive for this bunch. Love the way that he has come to the forefront. And for the Reds, they're actually the number one team in the National League in terms of on base percentage on the road. You've got a trio of guys in Jonathan India, Spencer Sear, Jake Fraley that have all been able to give you between 14 and 15 home runs thus far this season. They're really the only guys with north of 11, so that just overall firepower is not necessarily there, though. They're getting a little bit more out of Joey Votto with regards to a power standpoint, but man, McLean is hitting a little bit above a 300. TJ Friedel about a 350 on base, along with Jake Fraley, L.A. David Cruz. It's been a little bit up and down, but whenever this guy reaches base, obviously he can steal some bags. He does a tremendous job on that front as well, and for both of these bullpens, they've both been able to do a relatively solid job recently. For the Cubs, Overall for the season, the season-long numbers, they aren't necessarily too impressive because you had the likes of a Michael Fulmer, Julian Merriweather at very rough starts to the season, but they've been able to pick it up recently. As a matter of fact, you've got the Reds at 15th in the league in terms of bullpen array, the Cubs 16th of the league in bullpen array. Meanwhile, for the Reds, they're going to have the best closer in this game in Alexis Diaz. You've also got guys like Ian Gabo, Dan Duarte, Alex Young that would be able to give you right around about a 3 or so ERA, so... It is a good old situation of something's got to give. I do give the Cubs a little bit of an edge here with regards to the way that they've been playing recently with them being on their home field. So I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 116 with the Cubs. And then with regards to this total, 8.5 or less, going to be looking at the over 9 or higher to the under. 907-908 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies, and they are going to be playing OC San Diego Padres. Seth Lugo goes for the pods, and Austin Gomber is on the bump for Colorado. 12 is the total. The over is between minus 110 to minus 115. The under is between minus 105 to minus 110 with the Padres. They're between minus 190 to minus 215 favorites. In between plus 174 and plus 185, your number on the Rockies. And in order to take the Padres on the run line, you have to lay up to a minus 150. And I'm right now seeing getting a run and a half plus 130 on the Colorado Rockies. That's where I'd be looking right now. I would need at least a plus 125 to be able to do so. And I would need more like a plus 190 to be able to take a shot on the Rockies' money line. But for the San Diego Padres, we have noticed that the bullpen recently has not been so great for this team. Nick Martinez has not been himself. You've been able to get some good innings out of Tom Cosgrove. But in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days, the San Diego Padres are 21st, and the Colorado Rockies are actually 15th. Now, for the Rockies, they get rid of Pierce Johnson at the trade deadline. That's honestly a good move for them. Brent Suter has been able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort for this bunch as well. He's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA throughout the entirety of the season. Daniel Bard has been able to do a good job as well. And then for Austin Gomber, 
been a deplorable season overall for him, but he's starting to come into his own, and I do like the way that Austin Gomber comes into this game, as he has allowed two runs or fewer in five out of his last seven starts, going up against a Padres team that throws out Seth Lugo as just Mr. League average in so many different things. He gives up about 1.2 home runs per nine, and he does a good job with the walks. That's the one thing that he's very much above average on. He's giving up about 1.9 walks per nine innings, but... 363-ish ERA. Now, for Lugo, he comes in a very good form as well. Two runs or fewer. Surrendered in four out of his last five starts. Actually, a better road ERA than a home ERA. 393 home ERA compared to a 338 ERA on the road. As for the Padres' offense, they've been stranding a lot of men on base just throughout the entirety of the season because the top half of the fold has been very good. You've got Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., all with at least 17 home runs, between 17 and 20 for all these guys. Soto, not the world's greatest batting average, but when you're providing right around about a 420 on base, that's going to be able to help you out. You've had Hassan Kim as well, very under the radar. He's actually got the top war of all players out there in the National League, but I know that he's been suffering a little bit of ailment. I know that he got a little bit banged up on Sunday, so you do want to be taking note of that because he's actually been very valuable out there in the field over the last... 30 days. He's providing a 446 on base, so he has been absolutely tremendous for the team. And Xander Bogarts is hitting right around about a 260 as well, but then you get into the bottom of the fold for this team. Luis Campusano, hopefully I said that my name correctly. He's actually been able to give you a little bit of something recently at the catcher spot, but all the other catchers, Jay Cronenworth, Rudad Odor, Trent Grisham, Matt Carpenter, I say the same thing every day. They need to provide a little bit more of something as all these guys hanging at 216 or lower other than Grisham, all with a 310 on base or lower. And then for the Colorado Rockies, it has been a deplorable season for them. When you lose a series at home to the old Oakland A's and you break the three run plateau once at home in those three games. You know that it's not going well, but Ryan McMahon has been able to ball 16 home runs this far this season. They've been able to get C.J. Crone back in the fold. Chris Bryant, he's back on the injured list, so that is not too helpful for this bunch, but you've been able to have Ezekiel Tovar at home. Be able to do a solid job of moving the line as, as per usual, the Rockies. They've got demonstrative home and road splits as at home this far this season. They're hitting right around 270. This drops to about a 238 on the road with Randall Gritchick hitting north of a 340 when he has been at home, so he's been able to do a nice job. Rockies have just been a little bit bereft of power, but I do like the way that Austin Gomber comes into this game, and should Seth Lugo be a favorite and a nice size favorite? Yes, I think we've went a little bit too far here, especially with the Padres bullpen that has been lacking a little bit recently, and they did have to use up Josh Hader for 30-plus pitches in the game on Sunday. So I'm going to be willing to take a run and half at a plus 130 here with the Rockies. Did some at 12.7, so you're at the 12, also looking at the over. 909-910 on the betting board, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They throw the facing off against the San Francisco Giants. Good old undecided is on the bump for the San Francisco Giants. Meanwhile, Ryan Nelson is on the bump for the Diamondbacks. So this is a game that's off the board right now. ESPN is selling us that Alex Cobb should be the starter. And assuming we get Cobb versus Nelson, we'll be willing to set the Giants at a minus 167 on the money line with a total aware of 7.5 or less. We'll be looking at the over and 8 or higher. We'll be looking at the under for the San Francisco Giants. They are towards the bottom of the National League in terms of runs per game at home. Much of this is because they play at Oracle Park. It's a case where the Giants actually score significantly more runs on the road just as a result. And for the Giants, they've done a good job just utilizing those platoonings. Plus, says you don't have a single player with north of 14 home runs thus far this season. But 
You've got eight different guys with at least nine home runs and six different guys with at least 11. So it's one of those holes greater than some of its parts lineups. You've got Wilmer Flores who missed a little bit of time. He's back and he's back in a big way overall for the season, hitting a 300. But you take a look at the last three days, hitting a 382 with six home runs, five of which have come in the last 15 days. He has been tremendous for a Giants offense that needed a little bit of a breath of life. Lamonte Wade Jr. has been able to give you a 400 on base and I do think that this is an intriguing spot from a pitching standpoint as well because you do have someone in Ryan Nelson that you look at the numbers, 6-5 and five record, 490-70 area, and the fielding and a pennant is relatively on par with that as well. Nelson is not getting strikeouts. He is getting fewer than 6.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. Doesn't give up a ton of walks, about 2.5 walks per 9 innings, but he has an 801 home area compared to a 260-70 area on the road. From my perspective, I think that he's been getting a bit unlucky at home, and he's been getting very unlucky on the road. Like, opponents are a buck 33 lower off of him on the road than at home. I just don't know how that's even possible, but that's what's been happening. Meanwhile, Alex Cobb has very demonstrative splits as well, providing him with a nice edge at home, and on the road, he's been not so great. A buck 09 home ERA for Alex Cobb. Those are Bob Gibson-like numbers, and a 4.63 ERA on the road. For Cobb, he's given up one home run in 49 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home. And interestingly, you've got an Arizona Diamondbacks team that, in terms of batting average overall, they do a significantly better job when they're at home rather than when they're on the road. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've actually been able to provide more home run power when they've been on the road rather than when they've been at home. Right around 1.25 home runs per game for the Diamondbacks on the road, more like a little bit over one home run per game at home. You've got Christian Walker, Corbin Carroll, a combined 43 home runs between these two guys. You've got Walker hitting about a 265, more like a 280 with 30 plus stolen bases out of Corbin Carroll. Lourdes Curiel, Quetel Marte, combined 32 home runs. They've been able to do a nice job as well. I do fear that some of the Outside guys like an Alec Thomas, like the now injured Evan Longoria, of him being out of the fold, that hurts the team a little bit. Some of these guys, they just aren't going to be able to step up as they've been looking to some like a Dominic Canzone to be able to give you some at-bats. That's a little bit of a rough situation for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks just can't match up with regards to bullpen. For the San Francisco Giants, it's been a little bit up and down for the bullpen recently, but... If you take a look since the beginning of the month of May, they've been a top three team in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, overall for the season, this team is clocking in 23rd in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. We've seen Andrew Chafin certainly have some struggles recently, along with Scott McGo. Kyle Nelson has been one of the main constants for the team. He's been able to supply a sub-3-3 ERA, but now they're looking at Cole Solzer for some innings. That's not necessarily too terrific. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, you've had both of the Rogers brothers, along with Ryan Walker, the closer, and Camilio Duvall. You just go down the list of guys that will be able to be very trustworthy and will be able to do a solid job. A sub-3-23 ERA, Scott Alexander, certainly in that fold as well. And these guys have been able to do a tremendous job all season long. And I do think that for the San Francisco Giants, they do have a nice edge. And I think that there's going to be some serious regression coming for Ryan Nelson with regards to his road numbers. So, 7.5 for loss. Looking at the over, 8 or higher to the under with the Giants. Want to lay up to a minus 166 with them, plus 168 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. This is going to be the DK Network right of pick. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. They're on the road. They're going up against the New York Yankees. Tyler Glass now goes for the Tampa Bay Rays. Most betting boards have undecided. I'm seeing a few places that they have hung up the expected starter of Domingo Ramon 
And right now we're seeing a number of the Tampa Bay Rays at a minus 120, plus 110 on the Yankees. Draw on this game, 8.5, the over at minus 115, and the under at minus 105. And even if we would see a little bit of a switch of Rooney here with Domingo Ramon, I don't think that they would be replacing him with anyone better, and my numbers should not change to the point where it would push me off this play. as my DK Network write-up pick. That is on the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line. At current numbers, I mean, I'm seeing about a 34-cent differential. I set the Tampa Bay Rays with Glass now against Ramon at a minus 154. Fully recognize that the Tampa Bay Rays going into Sunday, they were dead last in the American League in terms of runs per game post-All-Star break, but the Yankees were without Aaron Judge yesterday. I thought that was precautionary, but that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. And for the New York Yankees, entering into that game on Sunday, in the 44 games that they had played since Aaron Judge suffered that injury on June 3rd against the LA Dodgers, Averaging 3.88 runs per game. That is third worst in the big leagues in that time span. Hitting a 221 as a collective. Dead last in the big leagues in that time span. And Domingo Ramon just has not been good in general as well. The Yankees do supply the number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. So that's going to be a little bit of help to him. But I mean, for Domingo Ramon, and this includes the perfect game that he had in that time span as well. For Domingo Ramon, he has allowed at least three runs of five in his last seven starts, 7-12 ERA in that time span, giving up nearly two and a half home runs per nine innings. Overall for the season, 477 ERA, 1.7 home runs per nine innings. And Tyler Glasso, he's been a pretty steady Eddie guy. He has made 12 starts as far this season. In 11 of those 12 starts, he has given up three runs or fewer. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to get strikeouts with right around 11 half punch outs per nine innings. His fielding independent just below his 336 ERA. He's been able to do a good job being able to supply a little bit less than three walks per nine innings. And for the New York Yankees, I think that they should have Aaron Judge back in the fold. I made this number assuming that Aaron Judge is going to be back in the fold, but you just don't have anything outside of Aaron Judge as Going into Sunday Night Baseball, you saw Anthony Volpe, John Carlos Sin, Franchi Cordero, Oswaldo Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, all these guys hitting a 207 or lower, with Peraza being the only guy giving you north of a 295 on base. Fully recognize that San is able to give you a few home runs, but you know who's not giving you home runs? Anthony Brizzo, who entered into Sunday Night Baseball with one home run since May 20th. I have no idea where he's gone, but Glaber Torres, along with the likes of Harrison Bader, have been your biggest matchers. Sands Aaron Judge, and that's not a place where you want to be. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, I recognize that they've been going through a little bit of a funk really since the middle part of June, I think it's fair to say. But they still have eight separate guys that have been able to give you at least 12 home runs this far this season. Six of them carry a batting average of at least a 254. They do a very nice job of being able to move the line. One of those guys that has not been able to give you north of a 250 batting average, but has north of 12 home runs. Jose Siri, 20 home runs. He's getting a home run every about 12 to 13 at-bats. The NDDS has been able to give you a 400 on base as well. Randy Arosarena does a good job moving the line. He needs to show a little bit more hustle out there in the outfield, but for the Tampa Bay Rays as well, the bullpen has been better recently. They had a very rough month of May, which sort of warps their numbers overall for the season, but if you look since June 1st, Tampa Bay Rays have the best bullpen ERA in the entire American League. You've got so many guys that have come to the forefront for this team. They did a nice job with their reclamation project, bringing in Jake Diekman over from the Chicago White Sox, where he had struggled there ever since. He has become a member of this team. He has been able to provide about a 245 ERA, and then you've got the constants for the team, like 
Jason Adams, Sean Armstrong, Pete Fairbanks, Colin Poucher, all these guys that will be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. I do think that the Rays, they provide very nice value here. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 153 on that money line. So looking at the Rays, and on the initial 8.5, I would be taking a look at that under. I set my total at an 8.4, but my write-up pick, that is going to be on the Rays money line. Like I said, even if we see a little bit of a switch of Rooney, even if the Rays, they go up from the minus 120 that I'm seeing right now, I like this up to about a minus 153. And also looking at the under, 9.13, 9.14 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays, they play also the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Gibson goes for the Orioles and Chris Bassett as yoke line and sinker for Toronto. Toronto is anywhere between a minus 135 to a minus 145 favorite. Between plus 115 and plus 130 is your number on the Orioles. Nine is your total. The over is between minus 110 to a minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 to minus 110. I did set the Orioles at a plus 149 in this ordeal. For one, the Baltimore Orioles played on Sunday Night Baseball, and now they have to travel. So that puts you in a little bit of a horse apiece situation. And for two, you do have Kyle Gibson out there on the mound. And I've been looking to fade Chris Bassett quite a bit this season. I just can't do it in this ordeal. When it comes to Kyle Gibson, he's been able to give you starts. He's given you about seven and a half strikeouts to about three walks per nine innings. As a 468 ERA, the fielding independent is actually a 385, but I feel like he's been very lucky on all balls in play. He's only giving up about 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Kyle Gibson has always oh, given up the deep ball a little bit throughout his career. I do think that that is going to be going northward, and for Kyle Gibson, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home, providing a 414 ERA on the road compared to a 555 ERA at home, despite the fact that his home runs per nine rate is pretty much right on par in both locations. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, Chris Bassett, he was doing for a regression for a very long time, and we have seen quite a bit of regression for Chris Bassett, and he just seems to be pitching better as of right now. He's been able to do a good job of being able to just keep things out in front of him in general, giving up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts, three runs or fewer in each out of his last five, so... It's been much better on that front. It looks like he's just a little bit more comfortable with the pitch clock. He's up to about 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. He fielding independent, still a little bit off from the ERA. 3.91 ERA fielding independent is more around a 4.60. And Bassett has just been a whole heck of a lot more comfortable when he's been in Toronto than he has been on the road. 2.24 home ERA. 5.63 ERA on the road. He's giving up well north of two home runs per nine innings on the road. At home, he is giving up fewer than 0.6 home runs per nine innings. So, a dramatic reversal there for the Blue Jays. They do have Vlad Guerrero Jr. starting to step up a little bit more from a power standpoint. The batting average, honestly, since the All-Star break, hasn't really went up. But he is up to 17 home runs. He and Boba Shett both have 17 home runs. Both of these guys between about a 344 to a 350 on base. Matt Chapman has been able to supply you with about a 355 on base as well. You've got Whit Merrifield hitting above a 300. Kevin Kiermeyer has been able to move the line. And I'm a little bit more concerned, honestly, with the offense than I am the pitching because for the Blue Jays, they pick up Jordan Hicks to be able to help out this bullpen. You've been able to have Eric Swanson along with Jay Jackson, Tim Meza all be able to provide a sub-3 ERA there currently without Jordan Romano, which is a big reason why they did go out there and get Hicks. But I do like the way that this bullpen is structured. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it's a bullpen that does rank in the top eight in terms of ERA. It's a little bit of a top-heavy bullpen, though, because you've got Yanir Cano, Felix Batista, both of these guys supplying a sub-2 ERA going into Sunday Night Baseball. You've also been able to get some good innings out of Danny Colombo, who's been able to give you about a 3 ERA. Pass that, everyone else in the bullpen, and it's north of a 3-5 ERA. 
Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, both right around about a 360 in terms of their ERA. Have not been able to get a lot of good innings out of some like Casino Perez, Logan Gillespie, whenever he's been out there. That's been rough. Shintaro Fujinami is not the answer, by the way. But for the Baltimore Orioles, it's one of those whole is greater than the sum of its parts lineups. We were talking about this with Steve Gardner. The fact that for the Orioles, they're right around league average with the guards batting average. They do an okay job of hitting the deep ball, but it's not like they're a supreme deep ball team as we got Anthony Santander, Gunnar Anderson, Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcass, all between 13 and 18 home runs. Santander being able to lead the way, and Adley Rushman providing about a 370 on base. But they just find a way. They've been doing a little bit more platooning because they've got such a glut of guys that are solid hitters that they've got a little bit more tendencies between lefties and righties. Ryan O'Hearn has been able to hit about a 300. He's been solid. You've had someone like Westberg be able to give you some good at-bats as well. So it is a very interesting spot, but I don't like the fact that the Orioles are coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, and Chris Bassett has been very good at home. So he's willing to lay up to a minus 149 on the money line of the Toronto Blue Jays. If you're looking at that run line, you're finding it right around about a plus 140. I need at least a plus 133. With it being Kyle Gibson on the mound, I am willing to take a look at that run line as I do think that it's going to be a higher scoring game. Set by total 9.3, so looking at the Blue Jays on a plus price on the run line and taking a look at this total over as well. 915-916 on the bank board. The Houston Astros, they are playing us to the Cleveland Guardians. Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for Cleveland. It is good old to be determined who's on the bump for Yusuf. This game is completely off the board, and right now we are thinking that J.P. France is going to be getting the start for the Astros, and if it is France versus Syndergaard, I made the Astros a minus 176 favorite. If I'm able to get a plus 180 or better, we'll be looking at the run line and set a total of a 9.6. Nine and a half or less, looking at the over. Then or higher, I'm taking a look at the under. This despite the fact that you've got two solid bullpens in this one for the Astros. Their overall season numbers indicate that they've been a little bit above average with regards to their ERA, but keep in mind, this team was number one with regards to bullpen ERA last season. They just had a couple bad innings over the last week or two that hurt them, but you still have quite a few guys that have been able to do a nice job. Ryan DeBreu, along with Ryan Presley, Parker Mulshinsky, it's a little bit of a new guy, Hector Neres. These are guys that have all been able to provide a sub-325 ERA along with Phil Maton, so I've got a lot of confidence there. For J.P. France, he has been very much an overperformer if you do get him out there in this one, as his fielding independent is about a point half higher than his overall ERA, which is hovering right around a 287 for France, only getting about 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. He has yet to be confirmed, but I'm thinking that that's who you're going to be getting. And then for Noah Thor Syndergaard, this is going to be his first start on a big league mound since the 7th of June. I know that he's been making some rehab starts at the minor league level. He's been sort of pitching some simulated games as well, but there's no reason to think that you're going to be able to get anything good out of North or Syndergaard. He has given up five plus runs in each out of his last three starts. He has been horrible all season long. He's got a 7-16 ERA. The fielding independent is a little bit better than that, but that's only because he's not giving up a lot of walks. For Northor Syndergaard, he's been giving up only about one and a half walks per nine innings. So he's done a great job there, but he's been getting tattooed, giving up two home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, it's just not the same. He's getting about six strikeouts per nine innings. In road starts this year, he had a 10.96 ERA with the LA Dodgers. That's not great, and he's backed up by a Cleveland Guardians lineup that is currently dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs. They traded away Ahmed Rosario, which... Why they did that for no third center guard, I have no idea, but you do have Jose Ramirez and you've got Josh Taylor. Both of these guys have been rock solid in terms of helping out this offense for Ramirez. 18 home runs, 360 on base, Josh Taylor, 15 bombs. He's been able to hit a little bit above a 300. Past that, you've got one other guy on the roster with north of nine home runs and Josh Bell with 11 and then 
with regards to the rest of the lineup. You had guys like Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, Andre Semenez, Stephen Kwan, that all last season, they were able to hit above a 270. The only guy that's really hitting above a 270 right now out of these guys, Stephen Kwan had a 278. Every of the other guys I listed off, 262 or lower. So, that's been an issue. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez is back in the fold. He's got 18-plus home runs, despite the fact that he missed, like, 34 games. So, that goes to show you how big of an impact he's able to have. Jose Altuve being back. That's nice as well. You've got Kyle Tucker hitting about a 318 home runs. He has been tremendous for this bunch. All of a sudden, Alex Bregman has been able to get hot as well. For Alex Bregman, this guy is notorious for having really slow starts to the season and then picking it up late. For Alex Bregman, six home runs over the last 15 days, hitting a 353 in this time span. He is white out for the team. You've had Yanir Diaz be able to supply a double-figure amount of homers. He's hitting right around 265. Chaz McCormick is up to about a 375 on base. So you've got the Astros hitting right now. I think that they're going to be hitting up North or Syndergaard. So at a minus 175 or less, looking at the Astros on the money line, and a plus 18 or higher, looking at that run line, 9.5 or less, looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. And would need at least a plus 177 to dive in on the Guardians' money line. 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Undecided is on the bump for Seattle. Undecided is on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. This is a game that's off the board, but Circa is simulating as if we are going to be getting George Kirby against Nick Pavetta, it looks like. And with regards to the Seattle Mariners, they've got them as a minus 130 favorite, plus 112. Your number on the Red Sox, 8 is the total. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. I made the Mariners minus 152 on the money line, so at this current number that I'm seeing at Circa, I'd be willing to lay it with the... Seattle Mariners for George Kirby just does such an amazing job of being able to not walk guys. He has given up more walks than he has home runs thus far this season. The command is absolutely unreal for George Kirby. He's got a fielding independent that is pretty much on par with his ERA. 349 ERA thus far this season for Kirby. He has given up right around one home run per nine innings, but the fielding independence at 331. He's getting about eight strikeouts per nine innings as well. Just been a case for George Kirby. Has had a couple duds. He has given up five plus runs in two out of his last three starts, but you take a look at George Kirby prior to that. He was absolutely rock solid, and he still has given up two earned runs or fewer, and now four out of his last six starts. So he just had two little clunkers in there. Sometimes he does have a little bit of tendency to get hard hit hard, but you do have the Boston Red Sox who they are hitting about a 292 as a collective at home on the road. This falls by north of 50 points. They're hitting a 236 on the road. That is by far the biggest home and road split in the big leagues. Really, the main guy that has been able to hit on the road has been Masataka Yoshida, about a 360 on base. Doesn't provide a lot of power, but has been able to do a great job on that front. You actually have the Red Sox hitting more home runs, by the way, on the road than you do at home, including Rafael Devers, Tristan Casas, a combined 26 road home runs between the two of them. And I will say for Casas, he has been absolutely incredible recently. He had a very rough start to begin the season. He was getting on base, but he wasn't really hitting for average. He's got a 417 batting average with six home runs in his last 36 at-bats over the course of 15 days. So that has been a big turnaround for the team, but some like a Justin Turner overall for the season. Hitting right around about a 290. It's about two, uh, 260 on the road. Jaron Duran is on base percentage. Falls by nearly 100 points between home and road as well. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they've come into their own with regards to their offense as well. And Eugenio Suarez has been a big reason why as got a lot of guys on the team hitting between 14 and 16 home runs. Suarez is one of them. Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh. But for Anuino Suarez, he should have another grand slam to his credit as well. But over the last 30 days, he's been able to provide about a 346 on base with six home runs. 
Batting average needs to go up. This is a Seattle Mariners bunch that they do rank in the bottom six in the big leagues with regards to batting average, but you've been able to get a few guys on base, like a J.P. Crawford, who's been able to give you about a 375 on base. Jared Kelnick currently being on the injured list. He was very bad before going on the injured list, but Mike Ford is giving you a home run every about 12 or so at bat. So you do have a Mariners team that they do rely upon the deep ball a little bit too much. And you've got under the radar two very good bullpens. The Seattle Mariners, they're currently fourth in the league in terms of bullpen area, and the Boston Red Sox are number three. I don't think that that's sustainable with the Boston Red Sox, but clearly they've done a good job of plucking out some of these guys. Chris Martin has been able to give you a sub-two ERA. Brian Bernardino has been rock solid. Kenley Jansen did blow a save a few days ago, but all in all, he's been able to have a relatively nice year as well. Josh Winkowski, John Schreiber, they've done their part. And then when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, you've got Paul Sebald, Andres Munoz, Taylor Sacato, Justin Topa, Isaiah Campbell, all being able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well. So I think that this is going to be a relatively well-pitched game for Nick Pavetta. They have been utilizing him out of the bullpen, and that seems to be working for them. And you do want to note that if you're looking at this game right now, we could very well see someone like a Brandon Bernardino, something like that, be the opener, and then have Nick Pavetta as a little bit more of a bulk guy. So you do want to be keeping that in mind because for some reason, Nick Pavetta coming out of the bullpen versus being a starter, that has just worked out really well for him. As as a starter, you've got Nick Pavetta providing a 630 ERA this far this season, giving up about two home runs per nine innings. On the bullpen, the home runs per nine rate drops to right around 0.7, and the ERA is a buck 98, with his strikeouts per nine rate going up dramatically as well. So it is a case where I did set the Mariners at a minus 152, looking at them on the money line at an eight, looking at the under as well, and we wrap things up with 919-920 on the bank board. The LA Angels hit the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves as Charlie Martin goes for the Bravos, and Griffin Canning is on the bump for the Angels. 10 is the total, unders between minus 110 to a minus 115, the overs eddy between minus 105 to a minus 110, the Braves are between minus 230 to minus 250 favorites. Plus $2, a plus 208 is your number on the Angels. I needed at least a plus 194 to take a shot on the Angels, and we have gotten there. Griffin Canning, I feel like it's a little bit of short shrift, and I'm not saying that Griffin Canning is some sort of an amazing pitcher or anything like that, but Canning has been presentable. 446 ERA, 462 fielding independent. He's able to get you some swings and misses. 9.7 strikeouts to 2.7 walks per nine innings. So what he does get in trouble with is the deep ball. He has given up 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Many of these have been on the road as well. To have a guy in Canning that has given up a combined four earned runs in his two starts since the All-Star break. He's been able to do a nice job against teams not named the LA Dodgers as he got lit up by the LA Dodgers in that previous start prior to the All-Star break, but I do look at Canning and I think that there's a little bit of upside there. Meanwhile, for Charlie Morton, he's actually been worse at home than he has been on the road. 383 home area compared to a 332 area on the road. On the road, he's giving up fewer than 0.4 home runs per nine innings at home. He's giving up more like 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And for Charlie Morton, the big concern that you do have with him is walks. He is giving up about four walks per nine innings now with the Atlanta Braves. This bullpen has been very good behind him as well. As it's a Braves bunch that ranks number six in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area, Brasio Iglesias. After he needed a week or two to be a rehab from injury, he's looked very solid ever since then. You've been able to get good innings out of so many guys like uh, Michael Tonkin, Kirby Yates, whenever he's been out there, Joe Jimenez. These are guys giving you a sub-3-5 ERA. And then for the Atlanta Braves, as we know, they've got the Boom Squad. Maddles and up to 35 home runs. In any normal year, he'd be towards the top of the league in terms of the MVP race. 
But the problem is Ronald Cunha Jr. has 24 home runs. It's hitting 4-4-16 on base and has 51 stolen bases. It's just absolutely insane. Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies. Both of these guys are now up to 24 home runs as well. And for Austin Riley, this guy's been as hot as lava recently. Seven home runs over the last 15 days, hitting about a 350 in that time span. Marcel Zuna's been able to pound out 22 bombs as well. Eddie Rosario's starting to find it as well. Orlando Arcia's hitting right around 300. And then for the LA Angels, ever since you've seen Mike Trout be out of the fold, they have scored at least four runs in all but five of these games. We have seen a little bit of regression with that Angels lineup as they have now scored three runs or fewer in each other last three. But we got Joey Otani leading the league in home runs, sitting for a 300 wall, getting 39 home runs. Hunter Renfro's up to 17 bombs. Mickey Moniak, he's done a nice job. He's providing a home run every about 17 or so at bats while hitting above a 300. You've seen Matt Theus be able to move the line, giving you about a 350 on base. And for the Angels, I do think that they are going to be better with their bullpen moving forward over the last 35 days. It has been a bottom eight team with regards to bullpen area, but they pick up Ronaldo Lopez, Matt Moore, Carlos Aceves. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-250 area. Aceves unlikely to be available after his usage over the weekend, but you've been able to have someone like an Jose Soriano give you about a three ERA as well. So I do think that the Angels should be pretty sizable underdogs. I think we went a little bit too far here. Did set my deal at 10.2. I think that both Canning and Morton surrender some runs to a pair of very good offenses. So looking at the over, and I'm going to take the big plus $2 number with the Angels and that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Big thanks to Steve Gardner. Does great work over at USA Today. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 